What's up, everybody? Perry Aston here, co-founder of the Unwrap Sports Network, asking you to check us out on Sportscaster. The host of this podcast, as well as many other Unwrapped Sports Network members from across the entire country, are streaming live on Sportscaster. You can live chat with your host, even send them virtual gifts and tips to keep them churning out the best content that you love. So head on over to sportscaster.com slash unwrapped. That's sportscaster, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R. Or download the Sportscaster iPhone app and tune into the entire Unwrapped Sports Network live on Sportscaster. Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Unwrapped Podcast. I'm one half of your host, Chuck, joined by my other host, Mark. Mark, how you doing? Doing good, Chuck. Good to be back for another episode of NBA Unwrapped. Yeah, man. Um, so obviously it's been a very um, eventful week, I guess is one way to describe it. Um, re- we had the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, and... Um, uh, it what was it, eight other people in that I helicopter. Think seven other passengers, nine just, total, with the two uh, two Bryans. Yeah, including the pilot. Um, just a terrible, terrible tragedy. And um, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to even to even think about what to say about it. Obviously, you know, you've seen the reactions from all the players all week, and they can't even just put into words um, how they feel. But um, I don't know. I'll give the floor to you to you know, get anything off your mind about it, say, you know, say what you want to say. Yeah, I just wanted to. I mean, I it, it hit me kind of hard because, I mean, I found out kind of probably like everybody had the first report, that TMZ report, and I, I think I had the same reaction as um, what everybody else was having. was like, this can't be true, you know, not Kobe Bryant. You know, somebody like that, you think he's he's immortal. He's such a superstar. He's such a, a big persona. Um, all over the world, obviously not just you know basketball related, but with everything. So your first reaction is there's no way that this is this is true. But then you see more and more reports coming out, and you know eventually you find out that hey, this really did happen. And and for me personally, it, it did kind of hit me hard just being myself being so invested in the game of basketball over the years and growing up. And you know I was a I was a big Michael Jordan fan, but I saw the end of the Jordan you know era, like the final three P, and you know when Kobe started to take over, he kind of passed the baton to him. Um, and he was the closest person that emulated Jordan. Um, and, you know, you always wanted to me, anyways, me, you know, you always wanted to be like those guys. Um, and you follow their career from, you know, beginning to end for the 20 years that he was in the league. So, um, obviously you, you don't know him personally, but you still feel like they're a part of your life because you watch them. So just for me, and then another aspect, being a father myself, you know, I got three kids myself and I find out his 13 year old daughter was with him. Um, it, it's just a, a terribly sad story and, you know, my heart goes out to them and, and all the other, you know, the Bryant family, you know, Vanessa and those kids, um, and the families of the other, you know, victims in that helicopter crash. Yeah, I think you described it perfectly. I was the same way, uh, as soon as I saw the first report from TMZ, you know, you kind of just thought, oh, this has to be fake, you know, uh, it's when, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that a hoax story has come out about a celebrity dying, so you just kind of hold that faith that it's fake, 
you know, Kobe's going to send out a tweet or something and, you know, it just never came and, and you find out it's real. And then, then Woe starts reporting about it too. And you're like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, especially after Michael Jordan left, um, Kobe Bryant really set the standard of what a player should be. Anyone that, that comes into the league nowadays, they have some part of their game that's framed after Kobe and, and Kobe has a lot of great moments and historic numbers in the realm of basketball. But I think what a lot of people remember him for and what's greater than all of that is the father and the husband and the man that Kobe was. Because the man that Kobe was is greater than than all his stats, all of his accolades, all his titles, and even being the best ever. Um, he touched so many lives and inspired so many hearts, and I just think that he will be truly missed. Yeah, me too. I mean, you, and you really started seeing it towards the the end, uh, you know, especially this last couple of weeks, how close he was with his with his daughter, Gigi. And you would always see they had that viral video of them talking at the Nets game sitting courtside, you know, and him just describing the game of basketball to uh, basketball to her. Um, and if you watched her play, just any of her highlights, you knew she was she had that Mamba mentality. I mean, she was a hell of a basketball player um, in her own right, only at the age of 13. Um you know, so you can tell that Kobe was really, really obviously he's a family man. He's invested in his own family, but you can really tell he kind of put his staple on her and was teaching her the game and how to play the game the right way. Um, so, you know, for both of them, for it to come to an end, you know, so suddenly and, and so tragically, it's like I said before, I mean, it's one of the since I've been alive. Anyways, it's one of the saddest stories that I've, that I've ever you know heard of. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, the greatest sports tragedy that I've ever seen that, you know, Dale, Dale Earnhardt is probably the only thing closest to it but um yeah i mean like you said our hearts go out to vanessa and the whole Bryant family and to the family of those the other passengers that were lost on the helicopter um but that does bring up uh just a very mild discussion that i was just thinking of as we were talking about that um a lot of people have been not really debating yeah they, they have been they've been debating should uh players still be allowed to wear the number eight and number 24, or should it be retired league-wide? And there's kind of varying opinions on this. Um, I'm in the boat that I think it, there's a lot of guys that wear 24 as a, actual honor to Kobe already. Um, a guy like Buddy Heald, he really, you know, uh, they interviewed him last night. He said that he wore 24 because of Kobe already when he came into the league. That's why he wore 24 because he wanted to be like him. He thought he was the greatest. Then you have some other guys that were like, or like the Mavericks. They're like, we are retiring the number 24. Nobody will ever be allowed to wear it. And I think both of those things are fine. If you choose to do that, if you choose not to wear number eight or not wear 24, then that's your choice. If you choose to wear it as an honor to Kobe, I think that's fine as well. Um, so what do you think? Do you think the NBA should just make it so nobody wears it? Or do you think, you know, it's really up to the players' discretion? I think to truly honor Kobe, I think you need to leave it up to the players' discretion because both ways honor him. You had guys like um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Terrence Ross come out and saying that they're going to change their number um, to honor him. And then you also have guys like Paul George who was saying that um, he potentially might switch his number to 24 to honor him. So you have, you know, I think the NBA needs to see that and leave it up to the teams and the players, um, because as long as he's being honored, regardless of which way that is, I think it's the right decision. Um, so I, I believe that they should leave that up to the players, um, the coaches, the owners, and, and let them make that decision. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And 
you know, I think a lot of people would agree with that. But it's just something that I've seen online, you know, everything. Yeah, and, gets I, and I don't think anybody's going to say, like, if a player is decides to wear 24 or keep it turned I don't think anybody's truly going to say, like, hey, he shouldn't be wearing 24 or anything like that. Um, and vice versa, if somebody wants to give it up, you know, I don't think they're going to think that's a bad decision either. So I, th- I think that'd be the right way to go for sure. Yeah. So moving on to a more uh, lighthearted topic, Victor Oladipo made his return for the Indiana Pacers uh, just last night. And if you didn't watch the game, because it wasn't on primetime, uh, he <laughs> <laughs> he hit a three to send it into overtime. Um, he didn't he didn't score too much. I think he only had like I think it was like twelve points or something like that, or nine points even. Nine points. I was gonna say if you yeah. didn't see it, you didn't really miss much of uh, of him, anyways. Yeah, of him, no. But I mean, it was an OT game against yeah. the Bulls, and he he hit the shot to send it into overtime. A nice little warm welcome, little storybook comeback. Um, so I don't know what what did you think of his comeback? What do you think this means for the Indiana Pacers going forward? Uh, we'll say mostly after the All Star break because we're about to head into the break here. But yeah, so for Victor personally, I think he had obviously a rough game um, overall. He's and, and he hasn't played in a year, so the rust is going to be there. He only shot eight shots, um, you know. So for him, that's he's not really wasn't involved as much in the offense as he usually is. Um, he shot two for eight. Um, one of the biggest shocks that I saw yesterday was out of those eight shots, seven of them were three-pointers. Um, and I know uh, Oladipo's a, a good three-point shooter, but um, he really makes plays when he's, he's getting to the rim, um, shoot, pull up mid-range. Um, that's been more of his rep- repertoire over the years. Um, and he shot one for seven from three, and the only one he hit was that one to send in overtime. Grant is probably the biggest shot of the game, um, you know, and he knocked it down. Um, but the rest of his game, he only had two rebounds, four assists, nine points. He was a minus three overall and plus minus. I mean, if you're into plus minus, I know some people aren't, but um, he only played 21 minutes. Um, so overall, just kind of a rusty performance from him. He'll get much better. Um, you know, we know all know Victor Oladipo is a perennial all-star in this league. Um, and obviously probably would have been one this year too, I think, if he played all season. So um, as far as the Pacers going forward, um, I think this obviously elevates them um, in that little tier that we were talking about last week, that two through six. Uh, team and, and this gives them another guy where they can compete and I think they're good enough now with the way they're playing and adding Victor uh, Oladipo that if they can get things going and get everybody on the same page they could make a run at that two seed as well along with Boston and Miami and Philly and Toronto so um, I think obviously it helps Indiana a lot going forward yeah anytime you get a, a former all-star back it's going to help your team the only problem I see uh, for Victor Oladipo and the Pacers going forward is that and I've been saying this for a couple months now, the type of injury that he had, he's not going to fully recover and play back to, you know, the form that we saw before the injury. It's probably not going to happen for about a year. It's going to take him at least a full season to get his his wits about him, get his wings back under him. Because you look at guys like Gordon Hayward and Paul George who dealt with injuries like this, a severe leg injury, and they didn't come back being all-stars right away. You know, they had to ease back into it, and it took some time. And I think that's going to happen with Victor Oladipo. But that being said, I think, it, like you said, he's a very good three-point shooter. Um, I remember last year him and Darren Carlson actually led the league in three-point percentage at one point. That's going to add a huge boost for the Indiana Pacers, especially when – guy we didn't see last night, Malcolm Brogdon, gets to play again. 
it's gonna it's really gonna add some depth for them on the wing. It's gonna give them some spacing on the floor. It's gonna, I think, boost their efficiency. You know, Oladipo and TJ Warren shooting from three is not bad. That's a that's that's some pretty good guys to have out there on the wings um, or in the corner where TJ Warren likes to sit. And like he said, the the two seed there in the East is really up for grabs between like five teams. And I know just this month coming up alone in February, the Pacers played my Raptors three times. So there's going to be some battles coming down here for that second seed. And I think, you know, getting Oladipo back at, at this point, at this juncture in the season is huge for the Indiana Pacers. And I, I don't I don't think they're going to be a second seed team. I don't think they're that good. And just the other teams that they're competing with are, uh, you know, they're all kind of finals contenders. But they'll, they could be a fourth or fifth seed for sure. And... Like I said, they're they're still gonna be fighting for it there with with this with the the Celtics with the Heat with the Raptors with the Sixers they're gonna be right there, and uh, yeah I mean you can't really sugarcoat it this is a huge boost for the Indiana Pacers here getting Victor Oladipo back. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Oladipo is gonna be like you said like the guys that are uh, Paul George and Gordon Hayward who had these injuries uh, when you have the, those lower leg injuries is is just being mentally just being confident that you're fully healed you know from your injury and 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 going to the basket and i know especially watching gordon Hayward being a Celtics fan and watching him come back from his injury um he wasn't as explosive as he was he was scared to go to the basket i mean and i can imagine every time you go to the basket you got to think every time you land that something bad's going to happen especially having something um so bad happen to you once before yeah, it's, so, it's always in the back of your head exactly and i think um the Indiana Pacers are going to go with they need Oladipo to make a run and they need Oladipo at his best. So um, the Pacers will go as far as Oladipo takes them, whether you know he's back to peak form this year or if it takes them the whole year. Um, but I believe if, if Oladipo doesn't come back too strong, then they're going to still be in that middle pack there. Uh, but if he comes back where he's you know confident and he's, he's putting up some numbers, he, they could elevate to like a three seed or a four seed. So. Um, like I said, I think they're just going to, as Solo Depot goes, the Pacers will go for sure. Yeah. So this, this is a good segue into, you know, what I was just hinting towards our next discussion. Um, I put it out yesterday on a, on a tweet that ended up, uh, blowing up actually that the (laughs) Pacers were being snubbed from a primetime spot for a game against the Detroit Pistons and the Brooklyn Nets. Two teams that are both below 500. Um, you know, when it when it's a game like this, when a, a star, an all-star is returning from injury, you kind of expect it's something that you'll be able to watch on TV. Um, that wasn't the case here. And it really brings up the discussion. Do you think that, you know, small market teams are being, I guess the word would be snubbed or, or disrespected? They're not getting enough... Um, showtime they're not getting enough primetime games you know they're not getting enough highlights they're not getting talked about enough you know you even look at what just happened with the the all-star reserves that were selected people didn't even understand like why Rudy Gobert was an all-star even though he totally deserves it anybody that actually you know watches jazz games and understands basketball knows that he totally deserves it um it's like it, it to me it feels like the, the NBA is kind of almost isolating, 
a section of the fan base, the more casual fans that that only really watch the primetime games because they don't get to see all these these talented players like um, the Sacramento Kings, the Bogdanovich who's over there, Buddy Heald, uh, Rashawn Holmes. They don't even know who these players are, or like how good they are. I saw there was a trade a trade going on today between the Lakers and and the Kings, and they reportedly wanted Bogdanovich, and everyone was like, why would you trade Kuzma for Bogdanovich? All he does is shoot threes. And I was like, no, Bogdanovich is a much better player than Kyle Kuzma. If, if you ever watched the Kings, you would know that. But, it, but you know, Kyle Kuzma, he gets to be on TV because he plays for the Lakers. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that there is some they – sh- they should show small market teams a little bit more? I do. This is the exact reason why I have NBA League Pass is for this specific reason because I feel like this happens every season where you got guys that the the NBA or uh, wants their superstars to to be in the spotlight. Like for this, just yesterday's, for instance, you had Oladipo coming back, which is a huge return after having a year off, and then you put in like you said the two below five hundred teams and the Pistons and the Nets. And let's be honest, we probably all know why they did that, right? Because you know, the day Kobe passed away, Kyrie Irving's very close to Kobe. He actually left the arena that game. He didn't play in that game on Sunday. And so now this is Kyrie's first game since, you know, Kobe's been back. So um, there's probably that feeling that, hey, Kyrie might go off for 50 or something like that. And they want that on TV. So that's, you know, I, I would assume that's the thinking behind that. Um, but, you know, as an NBA fan, strictly, I'd, I want to see... Like, if I want to watch Devin Booker play, he plays for Phoenix, obviously. I want to be able to put on a Phoenix Suns game, um, and and they don't get a lot of love. Um, Same thing with, like you were mentioning, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. You know, if I want to see them play, I want to be able to put a Utah Jazz game on. I just want the best matchup to be on on TV. I know everybody's going to have the NBA League Pass, so the people that have the ESPNs and the TNTs and these these other networks, um, you just want to see the best basketball, you know, the best best game on – the two competitive teams that are actually fighting for something and playing for something. Um, uh, I think that just makes for a better basketball game, just a better overall product instead of two teams under 500 that are just playing a sloppy game. Like that game yesterday wasn't good at all, you know, so that obviously rating class couldn't have been that good for them. Um, and, and just for yesterday, having a little depot come back hands down, that should have been um, the game that was on TV, especially because the Pacers are in the hunt for that playoff spot that we've been talking about, you know, running in the middle of the Eastern Conference. Um, so I think as a fan of the game, watching, you know, me personally, I just want to watch the best possible teams. Um, and, and I would like to see these smaller market teams um, be in the mix more because there are a lot of small market teams this year, especially like Utah. And, you know, we talk about the Pelicans. They're all fighting. Memphis even. Memphis has been a huge surprise this year. They're in that eight seed now. Those are the teams I want to see play because they're all fighting for something. They're actually playing for something, um, you know. And I think as a fan, that's what everybody wants to see. Yeah. See, the, the only problem with the you know the whole argument of of they wanted Kyrie on to you know see what he does after the Kobe Bryant thing. I the the game was already set up. I think now for months. You know, I mm-hmm. I'm guessing the they you know they release these schedules at the beginning of the year. But it what what happens is it seems that the NBA is scared to flex games, um, like the Warriors and the Pelicans stayed on prime time even though Steph Curry wasn't playing, Clay, and obviously Klay Thompson isn't playing, and Zion wasn't playing, which is the only reason they were in the prime time slots to begin with. And instead of flexing them out of those prime time spots, they just kept them in there. So we were seeing this below five hundred Pelicans team without Zion, which you know. 
to my point, it was actually kind of good because we got to see Brandon Ingram um, really become a star this year. And we got to see Lonzo Ball progress and some other guys that are on that team that you really don't get to watch that much if you're a more casual fan. But at the same time, it's like their ratings are dropping. Instead of adding a small market team in there that's good, like, you know, they probably could have put on more Bucks games or even Jazz games. The Jazz have had some really, really good games and are a really good team. It's like they're afraid to flex teams into the spot. And then you look at the NFL where they'll flex anybody. You know, whatever they think is going to be the best matchup, they will flex that game into the primetime spot. You know, just look at in the last four weeks of the season there, they flexed a lot of games that were coming down to divisions. I remember they flexed the the Seahawks Niners and yeah, the Dallas Packers, Cowboys and the Eagles. They flexed Eagles. Packers Niners too. The yeah, Niners just off the top boys. of my head. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. It, it's just like, and it even extends beyond just being in a primetime slot. If you go and you read the Twitter accounts for ESPN and for Bleacher Report, all they ever talk about is the Lakers and the Clippers. They don't They don't talk about how Rudy Gobert is the defense, probably the defensive player of the league. What is this, three years in a row now he's been in the running for this? Probably longer than that, four maybe? Like, <laughs> they they don't talk about that. They don't talk about the progression of Donovan Mitchell. The only rookie they really talk about is, or not even rookie, the only young player they really talk about is Luca. It's like Ed Trey Young, I guess. But even then, I feel like Luca has definitely gotten way more, um, uh, you know, what articles written about him, videos posted about him, uh, all these posts made about him than Trey Young has, you know. They I mean they they barely post about Pascal Siakam. They they maybe post about Jason Tatum a little bit. I, I don't know. It's just like they only focus on these super big market teams, and I think it really isolates a lot of the fan bases, especially with a place like Twitter now, where you get all different types of fans from all different parts of the country. They they I think they really need to showcase you know more teams. The Bucks are sitting at forty and six right now, and nobody knows about it. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And you have some, you know, the casual fan of the NBA is, um, you know, would like to see to and to get them more involved in the league. You you want to showcase the league more. You know, you don't want to just be showing the Celtics, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Bucks. You want to be showing. All these other teams that a, uh, a person up, say, in my area, right, in, in the Northeast in Rhode Island, might not see a Memphis Grizzlies game or a Pelicans game or because they're not in our area. You know, you want to showcase those games more, and that will actually grow the game and get more fans involved in the rest of the league and, and want to watch all these young superstars play. Because even though the teams, these teams are, might not be doing bad and they're not televised, each team, they have great players on them. You know, like I was saying earlier, Devin Booker with the with the Suns, and, and Meg, you mentioned Trey Young. Um, you know, and Luca and, and Zion now, and Brandon Ingram in New Orleans, um, John Morant in Memphis. So uh, these are all players that need exposure uh, to the average fan that might not know who they are in order to grow the game of basketball. Yeah, I think, and I think it would really, I think it would help the rings. I, I think they're scared that because it's a small market team, it, it's, it's only going to uh, hurt the ratings even more. But I think it's the opposite. I think if they actually show some of these other teams on primetime, people are going to want to tune into it. Like, I really wanted to watch the Victor Oladipo return live on my TV. 
but I couldn't. So I had to open up a stream. I wasn't watching the Nets versus Pistons because I, you know, I don't care. They both suck. You know, there's nothing really there to watch. Yeah, and nothing everyone, in, nothing interesting about a game like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that was interesting, like you said, was the Kyrie thing. And then you reach halftime and he's only at 15 points. It's like, all right, so, you know, where's what, what was all the hype that you guys were building up? And then somebody said to me, they're like, well, we got a very emotional post-game interview from him. I'm like, that's great, but you don't need to show an entire two-hour-long game on primetime for the post-game interview. It's like most people turn it off by the post-game interview anyway and just see it online later. Exactly. So, I mean, that's my, my sour grapes right there about that. Um, I don't know. To me, something needs to change. I don't know if it will this year, but if they keep getting – you know, if the ratings continue to fall the way they have been, I'm sure it will wake them up eventually. Um, I think they just need to do what you were saying earlier, like just be more, um, just just flex games. Like look at the games. If you see a game on the schedule that's, um, you know, Nets Pistons, like just just look for a better game. There's always got to there's always going to be a better game on the schedule. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and flex that game, and obviously enough notice to flex it into prime time. And yeah. I think they even did flex a game this year. I think they believe they flexed the Zion debut. Um, but that yeah. was the only one, and that's a big, obviously a big deal. You got the number one draft pick, you know, making his NBA debut. Um, yeah. But that's something the NBA should definitely, definitely look at because I think that'll draw more eyes to the t- TV, and, and like you said, I think the ratings will definitely go up for that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's funny too that you know I was talking about this with the Victor game, and that was the best game that was on last night because it went into overtime, and like I said, he he was the one that hit the clutch three to send it to overtime. That would have been a game that I think a lot of people would have tuned in to see the ending of. You know, if you even if you're looking online halfway through the game, you haven't watched it yet, and you see, oh, sh- oh shoot, the Bulls and P- Pacers are pretty close. It's on live TV. Victor Oladipo came back today. Oh, I might turn that on. You know, I that that's just yeah, I think about it. But I don't work for the TV company, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it's all it's all about ratings, man. You, you, I yeah, mean, I, and you're right, man. As long as the ratings are there that's that's what they'll do yeah um so the reserve spots came out you know what we talked about on last week's show i think we got a lot of them right honestly i remember we 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 all tweeted out our picks this morning i know the only one i got wrong was jason tatum uh i thought bradley beal was gonna get that spot and i'm not upset that he didn't. I thought that last spot was a toss-up between Beal, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. And my reasoning was that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was so hard to choose between that the coaches were just going to be like, oh, Beal's already made it before. We'll give it to him. But um, they didn't give it to him. So Jason Tatum made his first All-Star game. So that's great. Uh, So from the East, was there anybody you were surprised with or do you think they, you know, pretty much got it down? No, I think they pretty much got it down pat. Um, uh, you, we all knew <laughs> the guys that we knew kind of were locks were Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Ben Simmons. Those are kind of all guys that we agreed upon. I think we yeah. both agreed on Lowry. Um, Lowry, yeah. I know yep. you're obviously a big Lowry guy with the Raptors and everything. Um, I was more on the, the Beal side uh, with that. Um Chris Middleton, I think the Bucks being obviously their record and obviously hands down the best team in the league, they're definitely deserving of two All Stars. 
yep. um, with him and Giannis starting. And Middleton, I think we forgot about him last week. I guess yeah, so I was just going to say that. I don't think we mentioned him, and I think that's just us being forgetful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And maybe that yep. has to do with the Bucks not being on TV much. Who knows? Yep. That's um, exactly what it is. <laughs> um, but Middleton just had, he had 51 earlier this week. I mean, he definitely showcased, obviously, what he's been capable of doing. He's been having a good season. Um, and for me, it was, like I said last week, that final spot was, for me, it was between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, I said Tatum last week and thing, but on my picks this morning, I actually swapped that to Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they were going to kind of take into consideration, like kind of a, what have you done for me lately scenario? Um, cause Tatum's been hurt lately. He's missed the last three or four games before tonight. And yeah. Brown had that huge game in Miami the other night. Um, and as we've just been playing overall in Tatum's absence, absence very, very well. So I thought they were going to kind of go with the eye test there and just the most recent production and, and take OJ and Brown over Jason Tatum. But I honestly can't argue against any of these guys here for the East. Yeah. Um, Chris Milton, I can't believe we forgot about him because, you know, when I went back and looked at it this week and just looked at his stats, he's having an, an amazing season. Um, and he made the all-star game last year and he's having a better season than he did last year. He's averaging like 20, 21 or 22 points per game. He's shooting 50%. He's in the 50, 40, 90 club right now. And again, to my point, you know, nobody really knows that what Chris Milson's doing over there in Milwaukee, like, (laughs) why are they so good? And he's one of the big reasons why. Um, but they got it right here by putting him in the all-star game. Obviously somebody's paying attention. Um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like you said, is a toss-up. Jason Tatum actually, by advanced metric standards, has the better defensive rating. So I actually am glad that they went with him because I like I like that they weigh in defense a little bit. I don't think it's weighed in enough uh, these days. But going to the West, a little bit more of a discussion here. Um, a lot of discussion going on right now. I mean, we already talked about people saying Gobert shouldn't have made it. Uh, Carl, they saying Carl Anthony Towns should have been in there. Um, so this morning I switched up from last week as well. Um, I actually added Russell Westbrook into my picks this morning. I remember you were like, "Oh, you you switched up a little bit," and yeah. that wasn't me saying Russell Westbrook should be an All Star. It was just me predicting what was going to happen, and yeah. I just had a feeling because of the hot last month that he's had, the amount of triple doubles that he's had. And the fact that coaches just seem to really, really like Westbrook in general in past voting, <laughs> I just had the feeling that he was going to get in over a guy like Devin Booker. It turned out I was right. Um, I got everybody from the West right, actually, which is surprising because um, I thought that was the most, the one that was hardest to to pick. But um, I don't know. Yeah, that's Contra- pretty good. The only person I got wrong on the West was. Uh... I got Chris Paul. I didn't have him in there. I had so between me, it came down to you know I had Westbrook, I had Mitchell, Willard, Jokic, uh, Ingram, and Gobert, and then for that final spot, it was I had Cat in there, um, and Chris Paul. I, I left him off because he's a great player, and, and obviously he's a huge part of what the Thunder are doing. Um, but I think I responded to somebody in a tweet. I was like, Chris Paul might not even be the best player on his team. So how do you put this, you know, arguably this maybe the second best player on, a, on the Thunder team on the all-star roster? And, and I get the Thunder, like the seventh seed right now, they're doing very good. But um, I think you should take, you know, uh, Shai uh, Alexander is, is, you know, I think he's playing out of, you know, at an extremely high level this year. Um, and, and I do think he's a better player right now at this point. Um, and then the other guy was Devin Booker. 
you know, and and with Devin Booker, I mean, he's having a hell of a season. But again, the team, um, they're 20 and 27 right now. So I don't know if the voters weighed in team because then you have guys like Lillard whose team doesn't have a really good record and, and um, you know, Cat's team, they lost, they lost 14 in a row uh, since he's been, you know, been back from injury. So I don't know if that – took that into consideration. Maybe that's why he didn't get in. So um, – but I thought Cat should have been there because I thought the numbers that he were put put it was putting up were just too good to pass up. You know, I think he's averaging close to twenty eight points a game there, eleven yep. rebounds, and um, I just thought those numbers right there were were good enough to get him in, regardless of team success. So, I I put Chris Paul in because, like you said, the Thunder are first of all doing way better than anybody expected them to do. They're Thought to be a tanking team. Chris Paul was going to want out of there, be traded at the deadline. Now it looks like he's staying, and he's kind of thriving in the position. Um, he's not, you know, yeah, he's not. he doesn't have numbers that are going to wow you and jump off the page. 17 points per game, five rebounds, six and a half assists. But he's extremely efficient, uh, something that we've always expected from Chris Paul. He's shooting 48% from the field, uh, 36% from three which is one of his higher um, three-point shooting averages in, in the last few years here. But on top of that, he's just been a great leader. And if you remember going back a few months ago, he has the most um, go-ahead or game-winning shots in the NBA this season right now. Um, I don't know. That, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I just saw the stat. Um, so he's been really clutch for the Thunder and he's been a great leader for the young guys, and it's probably a big reason why somebody like Shy Gilgis Alexander um, is having the type of season that he's ha- having. Yes, Shy is technically the best player on the team, but I think Chris Paul has a lot to do with his development. Now, does that really weigh into the All Star vote? I guess maybe with the coaches it does. You know, here's a veteran that's been around a long time. He's very respected by a lot of players, a lot of coaches. And they're seeing what he's doing there with the Thunder, and they kind of threw him a bone. Um, I didn't want to put Cat in there. I didn't put Cat in there because, like you said, he missed a lot of games. And the Timberwolves are currently on a 14-game losing streak. And you know, even though he is averaging whatever it is, 27 and a half points per game, shooting it, he is shooting very well from three, especially from a bit for a big man. I just you can't I couldn't knowingly put him into an all star spot over somebody like Chris Paul who's who's basically carrying a team that wasn't even supposed to be here into the playoffs right now. Um that was my reasoning. Now, if you want to argue Westbrook and Cat or Westbrook and Booker, that's a totally another conversation because I that that I could understand any of those picks, honestly. I personally would have put Devin Booker in. I think his numbers are just off the charts. He's, he's super efficient offensively. He's shooting damn near 50%. Um, he's averaging tw- 26 or 27 points per game. And, you know, maybe his defense isn't there, but if you look at Westbrook's shooting numbers, he's been atrocious the first half of the season. It's only been this last month that he's really started to look like a good player. You know, a lot of people thought that they were going to trade Russell Westbrook at the beginning of the season. Um, well, basically through the, from October to December, people thought that because of just how bad he worked next to Harden. Um, now, obviously, he's the best player there right now, so it's kind of recency biased, I think, on how he got in. But 
he's only shooting 28% from three, um, and he's only shooting 34% from the field overall for the season. He's only shooting over 40% in this last month. So below average shooting numbers, yes, he has the assists and the rebounds, but Devin Booker, the efficiency, um, you know, you couldn't, you you know, and he was doing that with a lot of injuries <coughs> to um, uh, Ricky Rubio, um, Aaron Baines, and DeAndre Ayton, who wasn't injured but was out those 25 games. Devin Booker was doing all that, and they're still only three games outside of eighth seed. It's not like they're as bad as they were in the past years. So Devin Booker, to me, should have been in over Russell Westbrook. But like I said, I just knew Russell was getting in. Like it just, I don't know. It just clicked in my head. I was like, "There's no way they're gonna they're gonna take Russell out of this." Yeah, and it makes you wonder too. Like, what are the the voters? Because I think it's players and coaches, right, that vote for the reserves. Um, yeah, it makes you like wonder, like, what do they take into consideration? You know, like, is it like what we were talking about? Is it like a, a kind of "what have you done for me lately" thing? Like, I know Booker had a huge beginning of the season, and the Suns were actually hovering around the bottom end of the the playoff seating for the Western Conference, and then Aiton got suspended, and he missed a lot of games, and then, um, you know, they really kind of started losing games there. Um, and then Westbrook at the beginning of the year, I don't believe it was as good, obviously, as he's been now, and with what he's been doing with Harden out, um, keeping the Rockets kind of afloat and, and kind of that middle of the pack there. That, uh, they're at the sixth seed right now where they're tied for, you know, five and six with the, with the Mavericks. And he's minding get, be kind of keeping them afloat uh, lately to stay in that, that hunt there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it just makes you wonder, like, what are, what are these guys actually looking at? And are they just doing it, like you said, because the coaches love Russell Westbrook. They love the type of player he is. They love his competitiveness. Um, is it record? Is it stats? You know, I kind of wish – I wish they would come out with a kind of a weight uh, of like, you know, defensive weighs this much, offensive stats weigh this much, team record. So it kind of gives us a better understanding of how the voting process goes for these all-star selections. Mm, yeah, like a like a scoring card, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, just like weighted heavily defensively. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it just could, I think it would allow us to better understand. And then when guys get snubbed, it would be like, oh, yeah, that's why he got snubbed. I can see that. Or... This is why he made it over this guy, and you know it just gives yeah. a better understanding to the fans, you know. That, but see, they won't do that because, like in the case of Westbrook, it's kind of almost like a popularity contest. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook has earned some respect. Like I said, coaches just love him. Honestly, that's really all it comes down to. They like his drive. He's earned some respect, and Devin Booker never made an All Star game before. He's just young kid. I don't, he's I don't really think he's not emotional like Westbrook. Yeah, exactly. I don't think a lot of coaches really know much about him. He's tucked away there in Phoenix, um, which is crazy because he's breaking all these like scoring records, like youngest player to this amount of points and youngest player to do this and that. And yeah, you know, and you think these guys would by now since he's been in the league for you know for a little while now that they would know who he is and how you know how good he is. Yeah, you think they'd pay attention, but I I don't know. And I yeah, I know. I can't believe it. You would think after that that 70 point game that he had that it would kind of be like, you know, look at me now. Do this I have everybody's real. attention now? <laughs> pay attention to me. Yep. But what was that? I said, yeah, it's like this guy's for real, you know, that's like his coming out. Anybody that can yeah. put up 70 points in a game like that's not easy to do, obviously, you well, know. It's, it's like that's people forgot superstar. about it. It's like he still yeah. doesn't still doesn't uh, garner that respect so i don't know um and then carl anthony towns 
I, I still kind of, like I said, I, I would have just left him off just for missing so much time. Um, I think I still would have put Westbrook over him if it came down to the two. I don't know. That would be a hard one because Cat's, Cat's numbers are very hard to ignore, but his record is also very it's hard. It's tough to when you come back from injury, right? You're the team's best player and you're still losing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you come back, you're supposed to be. You can understand when the team loses worse. when he's not there. Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. and, and he's the team's best player and they're losing without him. But when he comes back, you think, you know, oh, this guy's, all right, we're going to turn it around now. The, the, you know, Cat's back and they lose 14 in a row since he's been back. Yeah. You know, definitely unexpected. And the Wolves have, with Wiggins and stuff, they're obviously a, a talented team. They just have not been able to get it together since those two have been, you know, the cornerstones of that franchise. Yeah, no. And 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 they're also just losing in, like, terrible fashion, too. Like, the other night against the Kings, where they blew the 14-point lead with, like, oh. two minutes left. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, I don't know. Timber, the Timberwolves are a, a shit show. If I was Cat, I would just want out of there. Like he's just wasting so much talent over there. Yeah, but, I'll get to that point. I mean, that's I mean, superstars nowadays, and you know from following the league is if you're not winning, they're like look at Anthony Davis, like they 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 want out. They're all good. They yeah. chase championships. They're gonna. I mean, once he's a free agent, or if he doesn't demand a trade, he'll he'll find his way out of there. Yeah, I think he'll demand a trade because I'm pretty sure he's locked up for a couple years there. Um, but then you get to the fact of you know where's he gonna go, um. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, that's an- <laughs> we'll say that for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you know, I think that's everything today, right? Covered yeah, everything. We, 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 to cover. we uh, covered all the bases today. Yep. So uh, be sure to go follow at NBA Unwrapped on Twitter. Follow the uh, Unwrapped Sports Network at Unwrapped Sports. Follow Mark. Mark, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's at M Belleville uh, twenty three. All right, and then follow me at Charlie Pelk, and thanks for listening, guys.